Gather round, take a seat, relax. It's the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Afton, right here on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Afton, and we are here on this Tuesday, Purim Katan, the mini Purim. The Purim that in a leap year where we add an extra month, so although the big Purim is going to be in exactly four weeks from now, today and tomorrow we celebrate Purim Katan and Shushan Purim Katan, which means that in some way it has to be a mini Purim. And if Purim is a time of joy, and Purim is a time of transcendence, and Purim is a time that we are bigger because we're, we're in a moment of joy, see, because that's what joy does to people, it makes you bigger. When you're joyful, you can't really hold a grudge. If you're holding a grudge, then you know you're not joyful. <laughs> if you're jealous, you know you're not joyful. It's ironic, but joy doesn't really, maybe ironic is the wrong word, but it's, it's, a, it's a rule of life that joy doesn't work with negative emotions. You can't be joyful um, and jealous and resentful and petty. You can be sad and petty. You can be sad and jealous. You can't be joyful and jealous. Why? Because joy allows you to transcend the frailties of much of the human condition. It doesn't make you an angel, but it makes you bigger. Because at the moment of joy, think of the moment you're marrying off your child and you actually like the in-law. <laughs> so you're marrying off your child, you actually enjoy, you know, you're happy for your son and daughter and the spouse they found for themselves. So you're in seventh heaven. If you can sit at your child's wedding and think about the faribul with your brother-in-law, then it says a lot about the joy. It says a lot about the, the, the headspace. How do you have time for that? Really? Now? Now you're marrying off your child. Now your, your, your special moment, your moment of incredible simcha, and all you could think about is taking vengeance. And, you know, it's, it's the story of Tisha B'av. I know I can't believe I'm talking about Purim, on, uh, Tisha B'av on Purim. But the story of Tisha B'av, the destruction of the temple, often tra- is traced to a story where a certain fellow was holding a party. And he invited a fellow named Kamsa, but instead Bar Kamsa, who's the son of Kamsa, maybe Kamsa's son, who he really didn't like, was invited by mistake, by the, by the messenger, by the courier. And Bar Kamsa comes to the party, and this guy blows a fuse. Bar Kamsa begs him, please don't kick me out, I'll pay for a quarter of the party, half the party. He sends him packing in front of all the sages over there. And this fellow was so resentful that he went and made up stories and told the Roman government about what the Jews are doing. And in some way, that caused, that led to the destruction of the Second Temple by the Romans in the year 70 Common Era. So, you know, the story is multiple issues and, you know, things to explore. But one of the first things that strings out is like, you're holding a party. Boo-hoo, somebody you don't like walks into the party. That's, that's where you're at? Really? You're at a party, in other words, you're at a moment of joy, and you could still be petty? So, 
if if joy does that that was a long uh, sentence then i have to come back to the sentence i started five minutes ago then today which is perm katan today which is mini perm is a day that each and every one of us should be trying to access a little bit of joy and by extension that means to be a little bigger bigger not in any other you know not in a physical sense not in an egoistic sense not in a success sense bigger in character gadol bemidot you know growing our character our, our being bigger than our weaknesses we all have human frailties some of the stuff that we're aware of and some of the stuff that we're not even aware of and because we're not robots we fall into those spaces some more often some less but we're not always at our best you know you meet some people they're always amazing and you're like give me that drug but that's I'm not sure I want that drug because it's not real it's not authentic everything's fantastic everything's amazing and yes were there great sages who were able to be joyful in the best moments and the weakest moments yes but you also have to be real with where you're at and making believe as if you never have a downtime is inauthentic and nobody's buying it anyway um but the point is there are moments that we are joyful and today is supposed to be such a moment and we can in this moment be big today we can not focus on self-pity or resentment or ego or gossip or all the other stuff that that enmesh us you know the the frailty of the human condition you know the human being is is amazing in the words of the sages the, the top half of us in other words the the higher part the transcendent part of us is angelic it's godly and the lower part of us is animalistic and often even worse than an animal that an animal would be offended that they're being put in the same category as we know how dark a human being could be and we we straddle the two but often we forget about the top half we forget about the how amazingly beautiful and holy and transcendent we could really be we forget that our essence is a literally a portion of god and we we get locked into the lower part of ourself the part of ourself that that is frail and broken and petty small um, paranoid jealous and that has to come sometimes in our life where at least for a few moments you know like i don't believe in like okay i'm making a decision and now i'll never be down again it's it's nice and it's it's very motivational but it's not real but for a few moments on a day like today prim katan to be able to be the simcha to be able to be joyous and in this moment to transcend our nonsense to transcend the part of us that that is so small to to access the part of us that is beautiful the the part of us that is godly not materialistic 
And on that thought, I, I chose this, a bit of a, com a uh, comedy song. Hope you find it cute. It's a song from the 80s, so it's very much written in that space. And it's basically um, a mixture of humor and also what we've been talking about to not be so materialistic. It's really about how people become very materialistic at weddings. And it maybe some of the, the expressions in the song are frumish, but I think you'll actually enjoy it. This is 101.9 Chai FM, and enjoy this medley. Cats is wedding consultant agency. Hello, Cats. This is Hoiskowitz. How are you, Fievel? I am fine. What can I do for you? I tell you the truth. I call because I get a big mazel tov. My daughter, Hani, became a gala. Oh, mazel tov. That's wonderful news. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Thank you, thank what you, can I do to help you? Well, I'll tell you the truth. I never made a chasene before, and I need some of your advice what I should do. Oh, you came to the right person. Come here, boys. Mr. Hushkowitz wants to know how to make a chasana. Hit it! Well, the first thing I must say is you're going on display. And what will people think if the wedding isn't nice? None of the neighbors on your block have to know you're in hock. So no matter what the cost, it's worth the price. It's worth the price. It's worth the price. Now the colors wedding gown should the talk of the town Designed from top to bottom Just for hell And although it will be June When the heat can make you swoon Make sure you buy your wife A real nice pearl No, no, your guests will not be bored When they see that smorgasbord With chopped liver piled up to the sky And the band that you bring in Should have 60 violins Each one in a white tuxedo And black tie I cannot believe this. The wine, I'm sure you know, has to be a French Bordeaux. Brought in on a shining silver tray. And the flowers, don't forget, should be Holland's very best. Flown in on the Concorde that same day. On that same day, on that same day. The main course, I won't fib, must be succulent prime rib. Thick and juicy filling up the plate. Never mind the calories, bring on the table via knees. The next morning they can start to watch their vein. We see The photographer should know how to shoot a video. Everyone invited gets their very own cassette. And no ventures. That's old hat. You can do better than that. Why not give a brand new shot? Not what I had in mind. Uh, so, so what did you have in mind, Mr. Hoshkovich? I wanted something a little, little bit more modest. But I can't hear you. I said I wanted something a little bit more modest. Oh, oh, you want modest? Oh, that's okay. No problem. So on the invitation right. In a way that's real polite. That the women should dress sneeze. If you please Cause we're dealing with a crowd That is also very proud 
This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM, Rabbi Levi Avtson here from Linksfield Show. I hope some of that uh, song came across. As I said, it's a 1980 song because they're still talking about cassettes and concords. But uh, it's one of the songs I grew up in and it's, uh, it's just a cute reminder of how often we get lost in materialism. And yeah, materialism is very seductive. You know, I remember when COVID started two years ago, the conversation was, this is going to make us less materialistic. I remember so many people saying, Rabbi, this is it. This is the moment. And forgive me, maybe um, I have a more pessimistic view of human nature, or maybe uh, maybe at this time I got it right. I remember turning to so many people, and people actually remind me, and I was like, uh-uh, that's not the way the world works. Events don't change us we change us. In other words, nothing changes us other than when we decide to change. There could be inspirations to change, but in, unless I decide that the lesson I want to take out of the last, last le- two years is to focus on the important stuff in my life, nothing's going to change. Nothing does. That's not the way we work. We wish it worked, you know, like just a moment of inspiration and everybody changes. But, you know, the, the great examples from this week's Torah portion, this week's Torah portion is all about the sin of the golden calf. Now, how long after the Sinai experience, the single biggest revelation ever in our history, and we're told it's never going to be again, God literally revealing himself to the nation. How long after that revelation where God told the people directly, Lo don't have other gods. Don't serve idolatry. How long after that did the sin of the golden calf happen? 40 days. 40 days after the single biggest revelation, they're already dancing around a, a calf made of gold and saying, Yisrael, this is your God, Israel. What? Now there's multiple things to explore in that story and how could it happen this stuff before? At a very basic level, what's the message over here? The message is that God could reveal himself and you could be madly inspired. But until you don't make the inspiration your own and change yourself, you haven't changed. It's actually the reason why the Sinai mountain, immediately after the Sinai experience finished and God's revelation was finished, Hema Yalabahar, everyone was allowed to climb the mountain. Why? Because the holiness did not permeate the mountain. It didn't actually um, change the mountain, unlike other places, for example, the Temple Mount, where we still don't go up. That was the holiness that permeated the ground, even though the temple hasn't been there physically for 2,000 years. Sinai was not like that. Sinai was massive, massive light. But once the light was gone, the mountain was just like any other mountain. We Till today, we don't know where the mountain is. There's multiple opinions, three major opinions, two of them in the South, that claim it's in Saudi Arabia, one that claims it's in the desert. Nobody knows, in the Sinai Desert. Nobody knows. Why? Because although it was an incredible 
um, powerful moment, which did change the course of history. It gave us the Torah, and it allowed for us to begin filling the world with godliness. It was only the beginning of the journey. It was only the beginning, the moment when we were able to start, you know, bringing godliness into this world. But we didn't change overnight. Forty days later, we sinned with the golden calf. And over the next 40 years, we made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Just read the Chumash. And then when we came into Israel, when you read the book of uh, Joshua, Yoshua, and Judges, Shoftim, and then Shmuel, and just go through the whole Tanakh, go through history. We didn't change overnight. That's not the way the human condition works. We're not, we don't change easily, especially when it's changing towards the better. In other words, becoming bigger. It's easy to, it's easy to fall down a set of stairs. It's hard to climb a, a set of stairs. In other words, to grow your character is a lot more effort than um, failing your character, than letting yourself loose. Now, this isn't about you know being disinspired. It's about having a, a honest look at ourselves and saying, to, for us to change, it's huge. It's huge. It's a, it's a huge thing. And one of the greatest mechanisms of change is simcha, is joy. Why? Because as we said earlier, joy is a way of seeing the world. When you see the world joyfully, you suddenly have this astronaut's view of the world. You're able to step outside of it and see the pettiness. You know, I've always dreamed of being an astronaut, which I don't think I'll ever be in this lifetime. And not because of anything else other than just being able to see the globe from outside. You know, I've, I've watched many documentaries of astronauts describing that moment when they're looking out the window and they see this tiny blue ball. And it gives them such perspective. Some of them struggle then to come back into this world and, and, and the pettiness of it. But just that moment, that moment that we each and every one of us has of absolute clarity is something I dream of having. And simcha is, is like that. Simcha is that. Simcha is when you suddenly realize life is beautiful. Ashrenu, how blessed I am for who we are. I'm blessed with the circumstances of my life. I'm blessed to have my God. I'm blessed to, in this reality. Life's a gift. I'm so grateful for everything I have. And at that moment, okay, so that person, you know, caused me issues. I'm, I don't have time for that. Or that person is more successful than I am. I'm able to forgive. That's one word that still breaks my heart that there's no English translation for. And in Hebrew, all they did is took the Yiddish word and gave it a Hebrewized, Hebrewized variation. So instead of fargin, it's lefargin. Big difference. But um, what's fargin? Fargin is just the ability to look at somebody and say, I'm happy for you. I'm happy for your success. I don't begrudge your success. I'm happy for your success. I don't see it as a reflection on me. I don't feel pity for myself when I see your life. Your life is your life, and Baruch Hashem, it's fantastic. You know, often they say when you're jealous of somebody, then look at the whole picture and you'll see their struggles are still there. And then that will give you perspective. And that's true, but that's a lower level. Because the only way I can be happy for you is by acknowledging that you have struggles as well. So in other words, I have to cut you down to size, and then I can tell myself, okay, this person maybe has more money or more nachas than me, but they have this issue, okay, even Stephen were great. 
but 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 that's a very um, amateurish level of of working. The other way is the higher way is to look and sit there saying, "I'm so happy for you. I'm so happy for you," and not because you also have this. I'm just happy for your simcha. And when I'm a simcha, when I'm enjoyed, then I could give that. I'm happy for other people's success. If I'm on top of the world, then you can also be on top of the world. If I'm on top of the world and I can't create space for you to be on top with me, then I'm not really joyful. I'm petty. And joy and pettiness don't fit the same mold. They're not part of the same worldview. There's no room for pettiness from a perspective of joy. And that's why simcha, joy, is so important. The sages tell us simcha pirates together. Simcha breaks through boundaries. Which boundaries? Not physical boundaries. Our own boundaries. It breaks through our own narratives, our own nonsense, our own pettiness. It, 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 it's like a speed, a speed train to go through stuff. It's the quicker version of, of working through our stuff. Because at that moment of joy, we are big. At that moment of joy, we see the world for truly the way it is. You know, we, we as human beings, it's part of our design, it's part of our DNA, it's part of the makeup of human being, that we get locked into our own physical existence thinking this is all there is. And therefore, it becomes a competition, a competition of possessions, a competition of success, etc. And when a person lives a joyous life, a godly life, a life bigger than the physical, it's when they realize that there's something much bigger going on than me and myself and what I want out of life and, and, and me, 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 me. We get locked into that narrative because we're so locked into this physical, material perspective of life. What's a materialist? You know, often we say materialism is people that buy stuff. That's a symptom of materialism. But the fundamental ideology of materialism is what you see is what there is. If you don't see it, then it doesn't exist. That's materialism. Materialism, Gashmius, is I see it, I touch it, I feel it, I get pleasure from it. It's real. I don't see it. I don't feel it. It 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 demands for me to transcend my fac my physical faculties. Then it doesn't exist. But I mean, even from a scientific view, that's ridiculous because most of reality we don't see. What we see is all an illusion, and and atoms and neurons and and the the billions of creatures climbing my nose right now. You know, if you actually Google how many little things you have on your skin at every given moment, even if you do shower once a day or twice a day, it's still there. But I don't see it. It doesn't exist. That's ridiculous. We're blind to so much. Even if we have 20-20 vision, we're blind. That's just the way, as human beings, we don't see. We don't smell everything. And we don't hear everything. Animals often will hear things that we don't hear. So what are you going to say? I don't hear it, it doesn't exist. I don't see it, it doesn't exist. I can't touch it, it doesn't exist. I don't smell it, it doesn't exist. I can't feel it, it doesn't exist. That's the ideology of materialism, but the moment you give it even a cursory thought, you're like, really? That, that's it? First of all, 
it's foolish because it's so not true. It's arrogant because all, what the arrogance is that I am the determiner of reality. So if I experience it, it's real. Done. I don't feel God. It's not real. Okay, really? Is that the way it works? I have to feel it. I have to touch it. It's arrogant because it, it disrespects thousands of years of history and, and, and millions and billions of people around who do believe and even feel and connect to something transcendent, to something beyond physical touch. So many people who have this deep knowledge that there is so much more. People who believe in a world to come, people who believe in a soul, people who believe in an essence, in a core, people who believe in a creator, people who believe in objective morality, to come and sit there saying, I can't see it, then I can't touch it, which is pretty much the ideology of atheism, is arrogant. And I'm not saying everybody has to go dive into faith right away. You know, you could use an open mind, but the, the mind still has to be open that, that it's much more than my small, narrow existence. It's much bigger than that. Once my mind is open to that, then yes, I'll go explore. But if all I can acknowledge is, if you can't prove me God exists, and you have to prove me by showing it that I could see it with my own very eyes, and my head can get around how something which cannot be seen is still existing, then I'll believe. And that's arrogance. It's not maybe intentional arrogance, but it's fundamentally coming and saying, I am the determiner of reality, and I don't respect anything I cannot put and analyze. So faith, joy, these kinds of stuff uplift us. They help us transcend this materialistic worldview, this view that sits there saying, this is all there is. Me and my emotions and my experiences, that's all there is. Because I'm the only thing that definitely exists. Everything else, I'm not sure. But I exist. You know, when a person studies Jewish thought, Jewish mysticism, what they're told is that it's punktverkert. It's exactly the opposite. God exists. He's the ultimate existence. In the words of Maimonides, Amitas Hametzius, it's the true existence. Whether you and I exist, that's a question. Why? Because what about me is real. The, the perception my atoms, my neurons, my conversation, that is a conversation that you could go and explore. And maybe you'll come to an answer that you do exist, but that's not the default mode. It's like, one second, what about me is real? Versus God, that's the ultimate reality. But that just shows how a world that comes from the material point of view, and that is that everything that I see exists and everything I don't doesn't, is, is in total opposite to the true perspective. And the true perspective is the fact that there's a creator, the fact that there, this world has an innate intelligence, the fact that this world was created by intention, the fact that there's something much bigger than my, you know, few decades on this planet. And that's real versus me, that I have to figure out what my, what, what does it mean that I'm real? Like the fact that we get lost in the narrative is one of the, the sad things of, of, of humanity. It's by design, God created it that way, that's the only way we have free choice. If I saw God every day, I wouldn't have free choice. 
but it's still something that we have to fight every day, that temptation to believe that this is all there is. Because believe me, believe yourself, this is so little of true reality. This is 101.9, Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM. This is Rabbi Levi Avtson. And we are here talking about, gosh, we're kind of fabringing on various topics, but fundamentally we're trying to come back every time to joy because today is Purim Katan, the small Purim, and therefore... It's so important that we access that Purim energy. It's always good to be in celebration. Jewish law says that this verse specifically refers to today, Purim Katan, a small Purim, that today you're supposed to have a little party, have a little extra food, celebrate. Sometimes it does take material stuff to make us happy, to maybe to start the happiness, but then it's so important that we make sure that the, the happiness actually lasts. And that's only when we uh, connect it to something spiritual, when we connect it, when we realize that there's so much big, so much, something so much bigger than us. Because as we said, it's so easy to forget that. It's so easy. I mean, you could go to a wonderful class on spirituality and literally walk out of the class and five seconds later be petty that's how easy it is to forget it's something that we can work on our entire lifetime and maybe we'll you know climb a few rungs on the ladder that that road of being of calling the bluff on this world calling the bluff while living in this real world, we're not saying, you know, isolate yourself on top of a mountain and escape reality, which other religions or groups will argue for. Judaism has never believed in that. Judaism says, first and foremost, you got to stay in this world because godliness is found in the physical as much as in the spiritual. And I'll repeat that. Godliness is found as much in the physical as in the spiritual. Spiritual isn't any more godly than physical. What is more godly is intention. In other words, there's many people who live spiritual realities, but not necessarily Jewish spirituality, not necessarily true spirituality, not necessarily spirituality that's connected to God, because there's a lot of other spiritualities out there. Some of them are false, but some of them might very well be real. But just because it's real doesn't mean it's holy. In the Torah worldview, it's in the beginning God created the heavens, and the heavens refers to spiritual. Besarets and the, and the physical, the world, the land. They're both God. And that's why it's so important to live in this world, but not be buried by it. In other words, to not live in the physical world for the sake of the physical, but live in the physical for the sake of the godly within it. We're here to elevate this world. We're here to reveal the godliness within every single thing of this world. That's what we're here to do. And yes, in order to do that, we have to live in the physical world, but we can never get lost and sit there saying, okay, this is all there is. Eat, sleep, be merry, for tomorrow we die. No, that is so not the Jewish worldview. It's been a worldview of many over the centuries, over the millennia, but that's not our worldview. Our worldview comes and says, no, 
yes, you should eat and sleep and be merry, but not for tomorrow we die. Because if you do that with the right intention, then you'll elevate our world. Nothing wrong with eating, nothing wrong with sleeping. Not only is it not wrong, you have to do it. Torah says we have to do it. It's a human, it's a human thing. But why am I doing it? What's my intention? Is it just for more pleasure, for getting locked more and more into the bluff that this is all there is? Or is it because I truly believe that in every piece of food I eat is godliness? And in me is godliness. And when I bring that spirit, that spiritual, that godliness inside of me, and I uplift it by making a bracha, by making a blessing before I eat, acknowledging Hashem, then I get uplifted, the piece of food I ate gets uplifted. And in that moment, this world is just a drop less covered over. This, the world is a drop less um, lost in materialism. And the world, for that split second, I ripped away the veneer and I showed who's really in charge. And that's why every bracha we make is so important. That's why every tefillah, every davening we do, every prayer we do is so important. Every ounce of Torah learning, every act of kindness, every act of acknowledgement that life's not about me and life's not about pleasure and life's not about physical. At that moment, I've ripped away the veneer of this world for myself and truly because we're all interconnected for the world at large. And that's what we're here to do. We're here to walk in this world, live amongst this world, within this reality, follow the laws of the land. As the Talmud says, dina da dina. It's an obligation to follow. It's not only the, you know, the right thing to do and the safe thing to do, but it's, it's the moral thing to do. But at the same time, don't be dictated by this earth. Follow its rules. Live this world, be part of the culture, but always stay above it. I love Tzvi Freeman, one of the great writers. He wrote a book, Be Within, Stay Above. That's really what it is. That's the ideology in four words. Be within, stay above. The world is real. Real godliness. So as I walk into this world and I drink my bottle of water, and I get into my car and I drive and I'm listening to the radio. All that stuff is real. But what's the true reality of it? Godliness. What was the radio created for? Torah. What was the drinks created for? To give me energy so that I can continue doing my purpose in this world and being the ambassador of Hashem. So the world is here and I can enjoy this world. I could live in this world, but I never for a moment believe that this is all there is. I always stay above it. That is one of the great symptoms of joy, because joy takes you out of this reality. It makes you bigger. It gives you 20-20 vision of what's really going on. So today on this mini Purim, to joy. This is 101.9 Chai FM. My name is Rabbi Levi Yatsen of Linksfield Show, and this is the Fabrengen on 101.9 Chai FM. This is the Fabringen with Rabbi Levi Avtson on 101.9 Chai FM. So today, here's our here's my homework for myself. I hope you'll uh, join me to dedicate some time today, even a few moments today, tomorrow, tomorrow, Shushan Purim Katan, an extension of today, 
over these 48 hours to try to access some joy. The kind of, how will you know that you're joyous? Simple. You're less materialistic. You're less petty. How will I know that I'm joyous? When I'm able to love with all my heart. When I'm able to forgive with all my heart. When I'm able to, to smile inside and out. When I'm able to see the reality for what it truly is. This is God's world. This is Hashem's magnificent universe that he created. And yes, it's not perfect, but that's by design. That's by design so that we can fix it. But we won't fix it by feeling sorry for ourselves. We won't fix it by being down. How will we fix it? By being bigger than we've ever been before. And the way to that is joy. So l'chaim to joy, I finish off with this beautiful mel melody called Anenu. God hear us. It's a beautiful medley sung by Dudi Linker, Yedidim, and Shira Shadach Choir and others. And just a beautiful song that I hope you'll enjoy. Have a great week. Please, God, next week, 101.9 FM. Have a great day. Have a great week. L'chaim. Oh, 
Oh, she 